Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system and I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, Math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. And it was a human guttural reaction from a black parent surrounded by non-black families. The things we have to think about that being one of maybe like five brown families in a school of probably 800 families. And it got to the point, I'm a yeller. Ugh, I'm a yeller. I said it and I'll own it and I'm working on it. Because mm -hmm. if you push too hard, it's very different than your friend pushing too hard. While I don't always see the behavior immediately, the times that I do are just really cool. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Welcome to our new limited series, Respectful Parenting in Real Life. I get to hang out with some folks and dive into what this work looks like outside of scrolling through Instagram or that picture perfect snapshot of respectful parenting. What does it look like when you drop the ball, when it's messy, when we're imperfect humans or when our kids don't respond perfectly as we planned? Buckle up for some real stories from real humans and I hope that you get to see glimpses of yourself or your kids in these stories to know that you definitely are not alone in this journey. And there's a village of folks walking right alongside you. All right, let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we dive into this episode, that the audio was a little choppy for the first three minutes. It clears up after that. Thank you for bearing with us for the first three minutes. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of our Respectful Parenting in Real Life series. Today I get to hang out with Jamie Jones. 
Jamie is a mom to two kiddos who are five and seven, and we're going to take a look inside what respectful parenting looks like in her family unit, in her household. Jamie, thanks for joining me today. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Can you share with folks just like a snapshot, give us a scenario of a, just a, a, a real life scenario of what this looks like in your household that we can kind of dive into. Yeah, we, um, I have two boys and they're wonderful, but they have two very different techniques for regulation. They have very different sensory input needs. I'm typically working and cramming my day until I pick them up from school. So I'm just like, go, 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 go until it's three o'clock. And then I have to shift modes very quickly into my mode. And so right now we're really navigating kind of who needs what when we all need something that's very different. And as soon as I bring this home, I'm trying to navigate who needs what, myself included, because I haven't really had a minute and it's been, work mode in the morning where I'm typically showing up for others during the work day. And I get about 10 minutes in the car by myself before I'm rushing to two different school pickups and then bringing them home because the weather is cold and not everybody wants to be outside. So right now us getting home has been the trickiest part. Um, Usually it's a snack immediately. I have to bring a snack in the car so I don't have hangry kiddos when we get in the house. And then one wants some like wind down, shut down, I'm overstimulated time by himself. And the other one needs to move his body. And they both want me to be doing two different things at one time. Mm -hmm. um, so right now we're trying to navigate it where... The little one gets a few minutes of like mom snuggles while the big one gets his snack and kind of figures out what active game we're going to do. And so I'll sit with Griffin and we have a little bit of cuddle time if he's willing to have some cuddles. Otherwise he'll just kind of sit and he'll listen to some songs um, and sit on the couch while Malcolm eats a snack. And then I'll go do some active games with Malcolm. But in all of this, I'm realizing that I still haven't had like a moment to regroup. <laughs> so we're good for about the first hour and a half when we just kind of get into this go 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 mom's on full activity mode and then all of a sudden mom realizes like wait a second <laughs> I never had my time to sit and unplug so we're trying to create more communication around mom needing more time before I uh blow a gasket and am no longer the respectful parent and it happens every day around the 4.30 hour. <laughs> and this past week, for example, Griffin was very dysregulated. He didn't get enough time. He was very triggered by everything Malcolm was doing. Malcolm needs loud movement in your face and Griffin needs quiet alone time and he wants me to do it. And it got to the point, I'm a yeller. Ugh, I'm a yeller. I said it and I'll own it and I'm working on it, but I, I, I lost it. I mean, I lost it. I was not regulated myself. I was not calm. Malcolm was triggering Griffin. Griffin was triggering Malcolm. They're yelling. I'm yelling. It was not. I mean, then they start coming with, you know, mean things because they're feeling dysregulated and angry. I'm not saying the kindest of things. And I'll just, I, I just screamed and I took them to pause and everybody stopped 
And I immediately apologized in the moment, like right then and there, and had to just pause and stop because we just get down these snowball moments where we're all rolling down this hill and no one's feeling calm or centered. And then we all blow up and we've mm -hmm. like completely lost control of the car, right? We're just like going off the rails. And so I'm really, really, really working on, and this changes throughout phases of parenting. And I can like speak to that too, but right now with where the boys are at, I can pause and explain to them because they understand how we've gotten to this place and try to show that I'm honoring what each of them needs. And I think mm -hmm. that's the hardest part for me and where I start to feel depleted as a mom is trying to hold space for everyone's different needs in the house when I have not yet had my moment. Totally. Well, and if you're going into it, and I think so many of us do, we're going into it feeling like, even if I was regulated, I'm struggling to figure out how to meet their individual needs at yeah. the same time, you know, even from a regulated standpoint. And then when you throw in just life and that so many of us are running from one thing to the next that, yeah, I right now I'm working part-time and when I have on my work days, I feel like I'm way more dysregulated because I am I have a child who won't take a bottle um, and nurses. And so, so much of my day is like, okay, after this meeting, I have 15 minutes, I'll go out and I need him to nurse right then. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to go back. And so even those like little breaks that I used to have in between meetings right now are like, my body is not my own. Right. And so I, uh, Hey, I just feel you. <laughs> I feel like I get to like five o'clock and I'm like, woof. Uh, and we have hours to go. And I think that 4.30 marker, you know, we had at one point a couple of years ago, we pulled folks seed and just asked what was the hardest like window of the day. And we gave some options and four to seven was by far the hardest overwhelmingly. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? From a regulation or dysregulation standpoint, it makes total sense. What does it look like for you right now in this age and stage with the boys when you lose your cool and you're yelling and then you, you, you have awareness of that of like oh shoot like we've gone off the deep end mm -hmm. and now I'm going to try and bring the calm and enter into repair what does that repair look like and how do the boys respond the beautiful thing is they're they're really they understand apologies right now and what we're working on is a not forcing apologies showing that they're genuine but also that it comes with a changed behavior or an effort of a changed behavior. If, if you've hurt someone, if you've said something that was unkind, if you've, you know, blown up uh, and you're trying to stay calmer. So my apology always comes with an explanation, not justifying my behavior, but explaining how I got to that place. And also with the the explanation of what I'd like to do differently next time for myself with no blame on them, with no underlying tone of there being fault mm -hmm. for anyone else. Um, and really owning it is kind of what I'm working on right now. And sort of what I'm trying to, to show is that I am not perfect. 
I'm going to yell when I don't like it sometimes and I don't like it. Um, and that I'm going to try to immediately catch myself in the moment. And the coolest thing now is I've seen Malcolm say, or, or acknowledge when I pull back very quickly and say, I know mom, I can see you're frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) And like, he's, he's, he's catching me almost before my apology because he sees me catch myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think my, you know, in, in our household, for me, my biggest way to show respectful parenting to them is to just show that I'm consistently trying to work at the things that I say I would like to do differently and that they see that effort all the time, because I know I'm never going to do it perfectly. I might always start to raise my voice quickly and then pull it back and like show that I'm trying to bring myself to a calm space or take that deep breath and model that behavior. And I was proud of myself actually, when I saw Malcolm kind of say, I know mom, I'm really, I'm, and then he started to apologize. And I said, no, 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 no. (laughs) We all, we all can say, I'm sorry to one another because we know that we don't want to speak to one another like that. And that while none of that was perfect parenting, it was kind of a really nice moment to show sort of that my effort to keep working towards this is really all that I can do. And I, I want to model for my kids that I don't expect them to be perfect either. And I don't want them to apologize to please me. I don't want them to act a certain way just to please me, but really kind of operating from all of our actions coming from a place of an effort to be kind, an effort to be respectful, and an effort to own when we feel like we haven't done those things. And it's cool right now with them at these these ages because they're really kind of starting to understand that. And I think in my brain, it was harder for me with toddlers to model respectful parenting or what I thought respectful parenting should be because I was having a hard time understanding if they were sort of grasping it totally and getting like reciprocal behavior or, or not really being able to see a change in behavior because they're tiny and they're figuring things out. And so I think what I I tell a lot of my friends who are really sort of diving into their respectful parenting journeys, whatever that looks like in their household is to just kind of like stay the course and understand that that's going to change with every phase of parenting. And so I'm kind of loving where it's going, even though it still sort of feels like two steps forward, one step back sometimes. I know it's really never one step back, but that's what it feels like at moments. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Levine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. Well, I wonder, too, you know, you said, I know it wasn't perfect parenting, but I, I don't think there is perfect parenting. And I think part of it feeling like yeah. there's one step back is still this perfectionist mindset that so many of us have. where we're like, we're going to reach a point where nobody yells and everyone always speaks respectfully and nobody reacts. And, and I just don't think that that's a realistic or the goal, you know, like I think that, but, but when we think of it like that, they're like, all right, we're moving towards this end goal where there are no big expressions and everyone's regulated in how they communicate. Then it feels like we're failing constantly. And it feels like those steps back. And I, I hope that we can start to see this, this shift in the same way that I don't expect Zach, my husband and I to always be so kind and regulated in our communication that there are going to be times where we're tired or just the other day had a thank you, Sage, terrible night of sleep. And was, I was just noticing like, all of these little things that most days they don't matter to me, but all of a sudden I was like, Oh, how dare he do X, Y, and Z. And now I was like, Oh, okay. I know I'm not in a place to bring up almost anything today that isn't essential because I can't do that kindly. And I, but like, that's real, you know? And like, I guess we think when we are in that perfectionist mindset and we're work, we think that we're working toward this goal where there are no, big emotions or dysregulation then it feels like oh it it's not sinking in and yeah I guess it's just like that's that's not my goal anyway yeah I mean no I completely agree to the like pick and choose your not battles but (laughs) pick and choose what gets brought up on any given day (laughs) how everyone how regulated is everyone's feeling and and I you know I'm trying to and I feel like this is where I get myself confused or like wonder what, what's the best way is to kind of like teach the boys to acknowledge the times 
and, and that they can be really kind and really respectful and maybe when timing is appropriate. And I know mm -hmm. that they're a little young for this, but you know, for example, my husband was super stressed the other day. He was having a really, really horrible day at work and I can read the room, right? right. I'm an <laughs> and I can read the room as to maybe giving a little bit more space and not asking unnecessary questions <laughs> if it's like offering to make a cup of coffee just because you can see that you know a kind gesture might be needed and I looked at the boys he had left the room and I looked at the boys and he was a little snippy um as we all get and I looked at them and I was like whew daddy's having a real hard day today and I said what's something that we can do down here that would maybe be really nice to cheer him up so that we can also give him a little bit of space to have a moment to reset from work. And so we went into the conversation about, you know, sometimes it's really hard when mommy's brain is thinking of dinner and packing lunch and doing the dishes and, and homework. And then someone comes up and asks a question and my brain starts to feel like all the things are spinning. And I looked at Malcolm and I said, do you ever feel like that? Cause I know that he does. And he said, yeah, sometimes it just feels like there's a lot of things going on in my brain. And so I'm trying to create like a sense of relatability and understanding for five and a seven-year-old, which is tricky, but without make, making them people pleasers, I don't want mm -hmm. them to feel like they have to act a certain way just because someone else is stressed, but maybe having a little bit of empathy when they can maybe see that someone else is feeling a little bit stressed, you know, because we're trying to do that for them. And I try to say to them, it looks like you've had like a really, really busy day at school you're maybe feeling a little bit exhausted. So let's talk about it later and whatever that looks like. But it's, it's, I'm finding it more challenging and more fun at the same time to be able to have these conversations with them. Mm -hmm. And while I don't always see the behavior immediately, the times that I do are just really cool. And like, it's, it's more of them being just like little empathetic humans and I have one who, one who I worry about being a people pleaser and one who really is just, he's figuring out the empathy. He's figuring out the empathy in a way that might not always be natural for him. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. It's, it's exhausting and it's really fun. And I'm just kind of really enjoying myself now, sort of seeing the ways that I feel like I've progressed in my language. And I kind of like seeing my husband sort of tack onto that too in, in spaces that felt used to feel really unnatural to him. And now I'll kind of hear certain phrases come out of his mouth and I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is good. This is, <laughs> this is good. So it's, it's, it's just, it's changing all the time. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Jamie, we, I wonder for you raising two black boys, <laughs> what, is there an additional pressure that you feel to make sure they can regulate, that they can communicate kindly, that these, in the reality of like safety for them in the world, does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. We just moved to a new suburban area um, previously in Manhattan. And it's kind of wild that in some there's certain things I didn't have to think twice about or worry about in his city school that now I am hyper, hyper, hyper focused on. Mm -hmm. And some of it, well, no, all of it makes me really sad 
if mm-hmm. to be completely honest, just the things we have to think about that being one of maybe like five Brown families in a school of probably 800 families. It's a very large elementary school. And we've already had a call from the teacher. I've already had a call from the vice principal and we've only been there for a few months, probably three months. About behavior? Behavior. Mm -hmm. And he's really strong. (laughs) He's a very strong athletic kid. He's Mm -hmm. a mover and shaker. His body has to be moving at all times. And he's with the most compassionate, empathetic soul, my child who absorbs everything and he's very sensitive would never, he's never intending to hurt anyone, but they were playing push tag at recess and he pushed too hard. All the kids are pushing. I think it's a ridiculous game, but they're all very silly game, (laughs) very silly game. Um, and I'm like, who's paying attention to this, but I hate being the one that has to say, you can't play that because Mm -hmm. if you push too hard, it's very different than your friend pushing too hard. Mm -hmm. And I said, did anyone, you know, does anyone else get spoken to about this? And sometimes it's yes. And nine times out of 10, it's no. Mm -hmm. And there was an incident with language, which the wild thing to me is he's picking up a lot of things in first grade that we don't, we just, we don't perfect or not. And I don't, it's, this is judging no one's (laughs) my husband and I don't swear in the house. We just don't, we don't. And the kids are very aware of what those words are and that they should not say them when they hear them. And they always like make a face when they hear it, just because they don't hear it in our house all the time. We don't say that. Mm -hmm. We just don't. We're my, we do with each other. I have a trucker mouth, but I just don't in front of the kids. And so when I get the call from the vice principal, it was, you know, well, we need you to understand that there's at home language and then there's at school language. And we need to make sure that you understand what that is. And I said, well, (laughs) uh, we don't speak like that at home. And Malcolm is very, very aware that those are words that are not appropriate or kind to come out of his mouth in any, in any environment, but thank you for, for clarifying that for us. And I, I try not to get passive aggressive because I really love to have an awesome relationship with the boys' schools at any time. I like to be that parent that comes in and reads and does all the things And I have never been less motivated Mm. to be involved at a time where I probably need to be the most involved. I need to be present and I need to be there. And I feel like I have to destigmatize a whole bunch of things about our family Mm -hmm. as the new family in this district. And I hate that. Like I have to show up at pickup, put together. I have to speak to the parents. And like, I feel like I have to explain how we parent. And I feel like I have to stop him if I see him getting too rough at all after school when all the kids are being rough, but Malcolm cannot be rough. Right. And I worry because, you know, we had an incident where he, someone was trying to consistently cutting in front of him at line and he'd been coming home and telling me this. And I'd been telling him ways that he could handle it at school. And then she did it one day and they were standing at the top of a staircase in between one class and another. And he put his shoulder out so she wouldn't cut in front of him and she tripped Mm -hmm. over his foot. And that was the first call that I got was that Malcolm pushed a girl and that she was gonna fall down the stairs. 
And after talking to multiple other people, that was, you know, the, the very exaggerated what could happen. But now he's the rough kid. Now he's the kid who uses poor language. Now he's the one who was late like one time for school. So where the family is tardy. Um, and I'm, this is the first time I think oddly enough, living right in the thick of Harlem that I've ever had to explain to him in this much detail or make him feel like he can't do things that his other friends can do. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Because Do you feel like you need to express to him that there are that not every space is a safe space for him to express his emotions and it, and that sucks mm-hmm. it absolutely sucks but is that something that you feel like in in navigating respectful parenting at home that you need to make a delineation for him about like this behavior is safe at home and not outside of home yes yeah And I mean, I think what, what Russ and I will say is that's, that's exhausting for us, sad for him and hard for him and exhausting for us, because I will always be his landing space for emotions. And 
he idolizes my husband and, and they're, they're super duper close, but I, I'm the, the primary parent when it comes to the soft space to land. And so I feel like I have to have these conversations frequently and with just him differently, even differently than Griffin. They both how they show up in the world. Yes, because of how they show up in the world. And right now what I'm trying to do and I struggle with and like journal about this daily is is not muting him and Mm -hmm. not making him feel like he has a personality or or behaviors that have to be muted, but really about sadly what is the appropriate place and level in which those behaviors and those emotions can show up. And yeah. that just like a really crappy thing. And I forget what he said a couple of weeks ago, but I just came up to my room and just burst into tears because I didn't have, I wasn't ready for it. Um, and it was sort of like, you never say this to Griffin. You only say this to me. And it feels like daddy doesn't want to hear what I have to say. And I forget where we were. We were out somewhere. And he made a comment in front of some other families around us. I don't remember what he said. And Russ kind of like shushed him very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it was a human guttural reaction from a black parent surrounded by non-black families. And it's, it's interesting now that Malcolm can catch on to our interactions with our friends and our interactions with our families, depending on like who's come over, who's over at our house mm-hmm. and kind of how Russ and I behave. And I hate right. to say the word behave, but like, that's what it feels like. Oh, totally. Social conditioning, right? I mean, like, how much can I, how, how much can I bring black culture into this situation? Right. Yeah. And down to like what I wear and how I wear my hair and totally. And, you know, he, he said, you wouldn't say that if uncle so-and-so was here. And I'm like, very, very fair, very Mm -hmm. fair. And he's starting to see that. And he's starting to pick up on that. And my, my prayer for him is just that it won't mute him in the world. He has such a big, bold, active personality. And I think for the first couple of years, I was really trying to figure out how to contain it mm-hmm. so that people didn't think he was the wild kid or the bad kid or the rough kid. And these labels that we all, we put on kids and, and actually you helped me with this. You posted something long, long, long time, a couple of years ago that like just really stuck with me is that, you know, how I speak about my child in front of someone else or the words in which I use to describe personality or behavior really kind of stick. And a lot of them really suck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, and then I was finding myself so embarrassed and really wanting to kind of like change these behaviors. And really what I want to do is just remove the label who came up with this stupid thing to call like he's very active. And I changed it from being like wild or unruly to he's just active. He needs to move his body. That's a way that he finds actually calmness Mm -hmm. (laughs) if we can move. And so like changing that and reframing that in my brain was very helpful to help navigate him through 
his days, but they have not yet changed my internal worry and my internal uh, effort to sort of shift how he's seen. Totally. Well, in the code switching, you know that he's going to inevitably have to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, and even sports and it's like the way that parents in this school will kind of talk about him totally is immediately that, and he's, he's 40. So this is also me like diving into a weird place that only, uh, a, I think a black family in an all white school would do is, but you know, they're not acknowledging him as being sporty and athletic just because they've seen his ability in sports. It's just all of a sudden he's like the, the black kid at school who happens to be really fast and happens to be really strong. And so instead of calling him wild, they try to like, Oh, as soon as he starts to play football. And I was like, well, he doesn't actually want to play football. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as soon as he starts to play basketball and I'm like, "Mm, he tried it. He doesn't like it. This dude loves Uh, baseball. He lives for baseball. Yeah. Like (laughs) it's so, I hate trying to feel like I always have to kind of like bash that that image that's being created and I'm very active in Griffin school he goes to a school that's eight minutes down the road because he's still in preschool and his school is super diverse and lovely and wonderful and everyone's down to earth so we have lots of friends through that school and sadly Griffin will come to our district school next year for kindergarten and I've never been in a school where I want to keep my distance and we're here now and you know, I think we're just processing that, like, not just processing, we've known this school rating and social environment around school are two very different things. And very important that you find the one that you really connect with, because there's a lot of feel safe with a school rating. Maybe it's a really good school for a white kid that's safe there, you know, like that doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's the right school for everyone. And that sucks. Yeah. And it does impact my parenting and it does impact my reaction to Malcolm's behavior or mannerisms or, and I hate trying to make him feel smaller, that he can't move his body, that he can't be fast, that he can't play with the kids, that he can't wrestle. And there's 10 of them wrestling. Why am I the only one that's standing there like helicopter screaming at Malcolm to like, not be so rough because I need parents to see that I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. paying attention to my child's behavior and that, he isn't being too much or that I have control of the situation. All those things are very different and are definitely changing sort of where we're at in this stage of life, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it unfortunately makes total sense. Yeah. Man, it blows. And, and thank you for sharing your experience in this snapshot into that, because I think we cannot talk about respectful parenting without talking about racism within respectful parenting and that not everyone has the same freedoms to yeah. allow their kid to express anywhere or to respond with respect any just anywhere in the same way that you were saying, like Russ shut down the conversation out of safety and fear and that it we can't have this conversation without acknowledging that and I appreciate you sharing your journey and experience with this Jamie 
I have had the privilege of watching you evolve in this space and grow as a parent for a few years now. You've been a seed follower for a while, for, for years. And I, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I've just been, had a front row seat and been able to be there with you on this journey. And it's been really rad to watch it evolve for you and see how and now to hear your focus on you. And that was one of the one of the steps of the puzzle that I think so many of us, we put it off mm-hmm. until we realize like, oh, we can't anymore. <laughs> that it's crucial to us showing up. And I'm, it's rad to hear you say that you're focusing on that because you're worth it. Uh, and you regulating yourself and building that awareness is so key for, for the boys. And Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed to get to know you. Oh, and I'm so grateful for you because I think in all the respectful parenting and all the, the resources that people could find, I think you have normalized for me that it is okay to still show up and do this work and, and it's not going to be a perfect journey and I don't have to be wonderful at it all the time, but that I'm still worthy of continuing to put that effort in. And so I think, you know, the seed village and all the resources that are there are so beneficial for parents that are really just trying to do this all the time. And so I'm so grateful for you and this community that you've created, because I think there's a lot of spaces where I would have felt out of place or not worthy and that they, I I just wasn't good at it or I was failing. And I feel really empowered. And so I'm very, very thankful for you. That's rad. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for hanging out with us today. And I will continue to see you in DMs. Where can folks find you if they're interested in connecting with you? Yeah. Um, so I am Jamie Jones Fit on Instagram. And I I can you can contact me there. You can follow me with Birth Smarter for any of the parenting on baby prenatal classes that you could possibly need there kind of all over the place (laughs) rad thank you so much jamie you're the bomb thank you thanks for tuning in to voices of your village check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com did you know that we have a special community over on instagram hanging out every day with more free content Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.